Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn and Love hosted by Richard Osler. We're recording this podcast in December, but I think it'll be released right after the new year, right near the new year. So happy new year. Happy 2024 to everybody. It's kind of weird saying that in the middle of December, but thinking of when you're listening to it. Um, really glad to have my new friends, Ben and Rebecca Lesway on the podcast. Um, joining us from Monument Valley in Southern Utah. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Richard. Oh, we're happy to be here. Tell us how to tell us how to spell your last name so we can all see your last name in our brain <laughs> and then how to pronounce it. Our, our last name is spelled Lesway, L-E-S-U-E, and pronounced Lesway. And um, Ben and Rebecca and I, um, they've been in the Facebook group that we've linked in the show notes to these podcasts called uh, Ministering to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. There's about 3,000 there, and it's allies in LGBTQ just saying, what can we do to support LGBTQ members in our circle of influence? And um, a couple months ago, Ben and Rebecca posted um, the lesson they gave on a fifth Sunday, including the notes to that lesson about um, raising a queer daughter, but it was a little bit more um, in that scope about just working through faith transition, faith crisis, and just tools to stay in the church as the church often gets complex for parents that have LGBTQ children or family or friends that have LGBTQ children. So I asked Ben, I messaged Ben and said, Ben, would you be willing to come on the podcast and and give your fifth Sunday lesson to our listeners, as well as tell the story of your queer daughter, Anna? And um, they agreed to do this. So our prayer is that if you're a parent or a relative or a sibling and you've got a queer kiddo in your life, that the story that Ben and Rebecca share about their wonderful um, queer daughter, non-binary daughter, Anna, will be helpful to you. Um, And also, if you're needing more tools um, to stay in the church, and sometimes I feel like the tools to help somebody join the church are different than the tools to help someone stay in the church. And they are going to share some of their story that I think will will help you. Um, regarding their daughter, Anna, we will link in the show notes to Lift and Love. In April of 2023, they shared their story um, about Anna, including pictures. And so we'll link to that in the show notes. So um, they're going to talk about Anna in this episode. But if you want to read more, we'll link to the Lift and Love um profile that was just so well done and i read that this morning and just had some tears of of love for your family's love of anna um and you've got nine kids so you certainly know parenting so um that's our prayer listeners and my introduction and um they've come prepared to share their story and um so i will turn it over to rebecca and ben all right yeah thank you again for having us um so I guess we'll get started basically with uh, with Rebecca telling a little bit about her family. All right. So I'm the oldest of 12. Wow. And um, I have a little brother who came out as gay in 2020. So during that, while everything was shut down. And when it's your own 
brother that you grew up with, you suddenly realize that the stereotypes that you've heard aren't true. And, um, you know, the answers that I had come up with for myself that had been enough until then about like, why can't we have gay marriage were suddenly not enough. When my brother said, I don't feel like there's a place for me in the plan of salvation. Um, I realized we need more, uh, we need more revelation. Um, and I think another thing that was important at that time, so our family just immediately accepted him. He was the same person he'd always been, and we loved him. And for us, nothing really changed. Um, later, we realized, so we didn't talk about it, because right? <laughs> we love you. Later, we realized a lot had changed for him and he needed to talk about it. And when we realized that, then we had some good family discussions. I think that's important to know as a parent, when your child comes out, even if you express love really well, they're going to need to talk about things and it's important to talk about it and have those uncomfortable conversations where you say, tell me what it's like for you. Um, both of us, because of that, um, because we realized we needed to learn more and be able to read perspectives that we hadn't realized existed before. And that's when we started uh, listening to Charlie Bird's podcast. We bought his book and Tom Christofferson's book. Um, it was really fascinating to me how much Ben was willing to study at that point because it was my brother, not his brother. Mm. Um, do you want to tell yeah, me? Yeah, and it was it was strange because I I felt some kind of compulsion. That's the only word I can think of. I, I just no. really felt compelled to learn more, to to read more. And so I started listening to um the questions from the closet podcast and the rift learning and your podcast. Yeah. Um, to learn as much as I could. And it, it, I, I mean, I, every second that I could, I was listening or reading. Um, and, and I, it was strange because I didn't know why exactly, because it wasn't really necessarily for her, her brother's sake. Um, it, it was something that, that I was just kind of pushed, pushed to do. Um, and, and that, that was really, really amazing because really not long after that, about a month after that, that's when our daughter came out. And so I realized that, um, that I, I had been being prepared for that, that experience for that event through, through the, these podcasts and reading and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I felt like I was really being being prepared for that. Yeah. So we had bought the two books, um, Todd Christofferson's book and Charlie Bird's, and he started reading Charlie Bird's book. So I read Tom Christofferson's book, and then we traded. <laughs> and um, as I started the first chapter of Charlie Bird's book, I just had this strong impression that I needed to share this book with Anna, and I didn't know why. And I thought, well, she, she has had a lot of social anxiety. She, she didn't, 
fit in very well. And I thought, well, maybe it's just about, maybe it's just about that. Um, and then I, you know, that was like maybe a Saturday morning and I kept reading that Monday morning, I woke up just so worried about her. And I, I started planning, this is my child. That's really hard to talk to. Um, so every evening I would go sit on each kid's bed for three minutes and just talk with them. You know, how are you? And this is something I had started recently in an attempt to, um, get closer to my kids and, you know, what are you worried about? What good things happened today? And I would go sit on her bed and I would say, how are you? And she would say, fine. And then I didn't know what to say. And I knew something was not right. Um, but I would just sit there for three minutes <laughs> in silence. Like I thought, I thought like, at least she knows I'm here. Right. Um, so I started planning that I've got to find out. I needed like take her on a car trip where she's trapped in the car and she'll have to talk to me. And I thought, no, I tried that already. We mm. drove to Utah and back and we didn't talk. That's a long way from Southwest Missouri where you live before you move. Yeah. Yeah. That's like 40 hours of driving. <laughs> um, so I finally, I just sent her an email and I said, I'm worried about you. Why should I be worried? Can you tell me why I'm worried? Um, and her reply email, that was her coming out. She, she replied, um, she said, I don't think my right and wrong align perfectly with the church. And particularly when it comes to sexuality and gender, I I've accepted myself as part of the LGBT community and I feel most comfortable with the labels non-binary and queer and of course that's not the email I expected her to send me back but um so we were both shocked but also I was relieved like oh, I finally know what is wrong um and just to back up at this point she had moved out and was living in the dorms um at the college where she was attending so yeah. That's why she wasn't at home. That's why she emailed. Yeah. And um, when she told us that she wanted to move into the dorms, I was I was really excited for her because like, uh, like Rebecca said, she's really, 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 really shy. And I thought, wow, that, that's a big step for her to move out um, and, and get a little independence and, and um, you know, kind of be on her own. Um, and, and I think all that was kind of connected to her um realizing or understanding herself a little better and needing to maybe get away so that she could um come to terms with that or, or you know understand it a little better but uh but yeah we we were both shocked by by the news and uh i i kind of had the same feelings as as i do sometimes when i hear about someone who's died i i, I had this little this pit in my in my stomach just shivers down my spine uh with that news it, it just really um was totally totally unexpected we didn't didn't have any any idea um that that was what she was uh experiencing but also we could immediately look back and and like oh this makes sense um she never you know she what she expressed was that she didn't feel like she fits in a category and i thought well that's been true you're all, i you know 
Um, I couldn't ever put a category on her either. Um, and um, I, I was more, I didn't, I didn't care that she's LGBTQ. That did not bother me at all, but she expressed some pain and um, anger about her time growing up that did surprise me um, that I, that I really struggled with, um, that she, um, and, and I was afraid for her future too. Um, but I, we, I had just finished Tom Christofferson's book and I loved what he talked about, about loving perfectly versus living perfectly. Um, and I knew that love was the answer here. Um, there's that, the ancient scientist Archimedes who said, give me a lever long enough and a place to stand and I can move the world. And as I, I knew that love was the lever that we needed to bring God's power into our family to get, to figure out what to do and how to go forward. Um, but I didn't know where to stand. Um, and as I prayed about that, the words came to me, stand in holy places. So now I had my lever and I knew where to stand, which was within the circle of my covenant, um, in the temple. And, and now I really feel every time I visit the temple, I feel like I'm calling down God's power to help our family. And, and I've seen, I've seen him. We'll talk about it more, but, um, uh, our daughter coming out changed our family for the better, um, in beautiful ways. Yeah. Um, it, it did change, change all of us. And, um, for me, I, I hadn't been really compassionate or empathetic and, um, <laughs> probably kind of mean to our kids sometimes. And that, that was one of the, one of those things that when she came out, we, we both kind of looked back and with some regret, maybe, uh, some of our failings as parents and maybe, you know, that was the the cause of all this, but, but, but it wasn't, but, um, anyway, I, I became much more compassionate and empathetic towards our, our, our kids, um, uh, towards everyone really. Um, we, we realized how fragile family relationships can actually be. And so we worked really hard to protect that, um, to, to express our love and appreciation for each other much more openly um, than than we did in the past. Um, so yeah, we're much more vocal in our love, um, and and so th those were some of the things that 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 we learned and that 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 changed for us. Um, I, I realized I, I had thought a lot that my job as a mom was to make my kids turn out right. Um, and I have learned through this process that that is not my job. It's Heavenly Father's job 
he's in charge of how things turn out in the end. And my job is just to love my children and nurture them, respect their agency and, and allow them space to be their own person. My children were created in God's image, not my image. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of how, how it's been. And then, so for, for the last two years, that's kind of how we, we, we've, we, we've changed our parenting and, and really, um, it's become a, it's become a blessing. We recognize it as a blessing. And there, there were people at, at first who, who talked about it. Uh, we, we had permission from her, uh, to, to tell whomever we, we thought needed to know. And, uh, we heard some really negative things from people. Um, things like, well, I'm not going to be learning any new pronouns or it must've been all of that anime that she watched. Just things that we didn't, we knew, we knew through our study and trying to educate ourselves weren't, weren't true at all, especially about Anna. And, um, and others said, Oh, that must be a really hard trial. Um, but I, but I don't see it that way at all. Um, it, it, it's been a, a blessing for us. Um, and that, that kind of has, has shaped how we've acted and how, what we, how we've proceeded in, in the, in the two years since she came out and in, in the background of this, uh, at, at the time that she came out, um, uh, I was in the bishopric. Uh, of of our ward there and um and this is in southwest missouri yeah this is still in missouri and uh so i i was in a interesting position there where i felt like i needed to do something um kind of on a ward level church level because i was starting to understand the the hard how hard it is sometimes for uh, the LGBTQ community to, to be in the church. Um, so I was starting to understand some of those things, those challenges and wanted to do something to help, um, mitigate that and to, to educate, um, members, um, because I could see that a lot of, a lot of members, um, still either held on to or weren't, uh, held on to older teachings, teachings, um, that the church had towards the community um, and weren't aware of some of the the more current teachings about especially like that it's not not a choice and that that it's a reality and and things like that um, so I really felt like I needed to to do something and so in our bishopric meetings I would kind of suggest things um, and and it didn't I don't I don't know if it was the bishop was great. He was a, he's a close friend of mine also, and the other counselor was great, um, and and really understanding and accepting. Um, but moving it to towards some kind of action on a ward level didn't didn't really go very far until uh, another family in the ward came to the bishop uh, with a very similar situation, um, and 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 he he told me he came to me later and he said, I didn't have any answers for them. I did not know how to uh, address their concerns. 
Uh, so I, I gave him a copy of your book and uh, suggested some podcast episodes that were helpful for leaders. Um, and, and that's kind of where things started rolling. Uh, suggested that we do some kind of a fireside. And, and so uh, we went to the, to the stake president with that. Um, he, he said, well, you, you guys know more than, than I do. And I trust you. So we were able to do that. Uh, and I'm grateful for that, that support. And I think we did, uh, we, we, we did a really good job of, at least at, at that time, uh, providing good information, um, current information, um, and church, both church affirming and and LGBTQ affirming um, I, I information. Think, I think too, after that, more people came and talked to me. And I think a lot of times people don't, they just don't talk about it because they think they're the only ones. And I think we also, just by us being willing to talk about it, then, you know, this grandma could come to me and say, I have an LGBTQ grandkid. And, and just you know, just being able to say that to someone and, and, um, and to hear that you're doing a good job by loving them and is important. Um, at that time too, your book was really important to me because all the myth busting things at the beginning, I had a lot of fears and that was able to quiet a lot of like, you know, old things that I had heard that I was pretty sure weren't true. But as a mom, you're afraid. Like, what if I missed something? <laughs> what if this is true? And that really helped me to. Um, yeah. So uh, as as this progressed, uh, as I was in the bishopric, that's when I started having a lot of cognitive dissonance, a lot of uh, questions starting in my mind. Um, it, it because deep down a lot of what Anna had said about her feelings toward the church I knew were were right um at, at least apparently there's there doesn't seem to be a place uh, a very good place for LGBTQ members in the church and they do have a lot of struggles understanding where they fit in to to all this um and and so that just kind of started eating away um at me and and it started taking a toll on me um mentally and emotionally um so i started receiving counseling um at that time to try to figure this out and i didn't realize what was going on at that point um and and that struggle kind of caused some strife between us um because well, um, we didn't know about the faith transition process. So we didn't even have a vocabulary to talk about what was happening. And we were each afraid of different things. Um, ben was afraid because he had had such a black and white faith up until then. He thought that these doubts were bad. And, um, and I, I had, gone through a faith transition already without knowing it, but I was watching him. And because his process was different than mine, I was afraid where he was going to end up. 
And so here we are both afraid. <laughs> here we are both confused. And, uh, you know, he would say something and I'd be like, you can't say that. Like, <laughs> don't say that. And then he would say, you have to admit this. And I would be like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> it was, it was rough. Um, yeah, it, it, it was hard. Uh, and, and I'm kind of a quiet, quiet person. I, I, I keep a lot inside also. So a lot of this was just really under the surface. Um, and w w one of the, one of the things that was, um, may, maybe the hardest was, um, uh, a line in my patriarchal blessing told me that, that, uh, that, um, talked about being a man of a strong man of a stalwart man of strong faith. And here I am doubting my faith. And that's really causing me trouble because I felt oh, I'm not living up to this. I, I, I have some really at the time, what I thought was, you know, we weakness coming through in my faith. And so, yeah, uh, at that point, that was the first inklings of this faith transition didn't know what was going on and and I was scared I was really scared um but uh kind of in the middle of that about a, it's about 8 months after Anna had come out I thought I I don't think I've really felt the spirit in my life like I like I used to and how I thought I should be uh feeling it and uh and so I, at this point, I, the whole bishopric had been released. Our time was up. Um, so I wasn't in the bishopric. I was just a regular member. Um, anyway, I, I had been asked to give a talk in sacrament meeting, and, and I really pondered what I should say. And I was out working in my garden and had a very, very distinct spiritual impression about what I should talk about in this talk. And at that point, as I said, I, I hadn't felt like I felt the spirit. And I immediately recognized that I was feeling the spirit and I was relieved that I wasn't so far gone off the path and so far gone away from my faith that I was still able to receive this inspiration. And um, that, that kind of boosted, boosted my, my confidence. And and again, uh, also as we were after after she came out, we we continued our study and continued uh, trying to learn as much as we could. And I came across the Faith Matters podcast, which which for me were were incredible. Um, but they talked several several of their guests talked about faith transitions and um, how how to how to navigate those. Um, and, and that was really valuable information because now I recognized, oh, it, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I'm just going through, uh, I'm moving from one stage of faith to another. I'm going through this process. That's, that's normal. Not, not only is it normal, but in some cases it's, it's necessary for our faith to grow and to evolve into something, um, that's at a different level, different stage that that that's stronger maybe in some cases um and that that was really a relief for me 
we talk so much in church about how we need to make our faith grow. And we don't very often recognize that growth means change. And change is scary and it can be messy. Um, but that's what that's what growing is. And and just by having a few different words gives you such a new perspective. Um, so um, around April of this year, uh, had a, a a job job opportunity presented itself, and uh, so we we took that opportunity and and that brought us out here to Monument Valley, Utah. And it was just totally, you know, out of out of nowhere that this came. But but now we're here, mm-hmm. and that kind of leads us to where to to where we are, you know, right now. Um, the ward that we moved into is really, really, really small. Uh, we're we're on the Navajo Nation. We're uh, we're on the reservation here at Monument Valley, and um, I, I teach at the high school now, and. Uh, this ward is really small. We, we were, we're not used to the, the isolation We're we're pretty isolated here in Monument Valley. Um, in Missouri, people would talk about like, Oh, we, we are in the mission field in Missouri, but I tell you what, um, being here on the Navajo nation <laughs> made Missouri feel like Provo <laughs> in comparison. It's really um, interesting. Yeah, but but we love it here. It's just it's beautiful. The people are beautiful. Um, the ward that we moved into has been great, and um, so in one of the first ward councils that we participated in when we got into the ward, the bishop, um, who, who's just amazing, he 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 said he was telling us his vision about what how he wanted us as as leaders in the ward to to function, and he says he said if they don't feel the love of Christ, when they walk in this building, then we're doing it wrong. Wow. And that just really uh, kind of blew my mind. Um, and in the lens of the LGBTQ lens, that was, that was amazing. So he's been really accepting and positive. And we've found that found out uh, as we've just been kind of open about it. Um, there are other members of the ward that that also have children or relatives in the community. Um, and so it's been a blessing to be here um, because I haven't felt like I needed to be uh, um, an activist in the ward. And wh- what I mean by that is I don't, I don't feel like I need to explain or try to convince anyone about. Um, or be pushing for things. Yeah. Uh, pushing for things. Um to, to be different for the LGBTQ community because, because here we felt really accepted and, and, um, um, other people feel really similarly. It's, it's really, um, I I was kind of surprised to be totally honest, um, at the the progressive attitude in, in the ward, but, but it's been great. Um, so soon, Soon after we got here, the bishop asked us to give the the fifth Sunday lesson um, in the ward. He, knowing that we are active, kind of in the in the LGBTQ community um, and parents of a queer child, 
And he, he says, I'll back you up, whatever you want to talk about. Um, I just want you to be real. And, and that was kind of our, our, our license to, to talk about, I guess, you know, whatever we felt inspired to. And we thought about it quite a bit. And I, again, again, felt inspired to kind of talk about um, faith transitions um, and my experience with that, our experience with it. Um, and so, so that's what we did. And so uh, we, we gave this lesson and um, I'll talk a little bit more about it here in a second, but, but it was really, really positive, positively received. Um, and yeah, so that, that's what got us here. Right. So, um, so I'd kind of like to talk uh, about some of the, the principles that, that we discussed in this lesson. Um, so we started talking about faith, trying to define faith and understand what faith really is. And I kind of posed that in, um, by way of talking about, well, what's the opposite of faith? Um, or in what conditions does faith really operate? Right. Um, and so we, we talked about how faith, um, generally manifests itself if you, if you're if we're talking about it in, during the hard times right we, we have faith when we're being tried um we have we have faith when we you know suffer a we have to have faith when we suffer a loss or a disappointment or uh, um an injury you know some something of that something like that generally our faith is strongest and is has to be manifested in the times when it's being tried. Um, and those times often, you know, create fear and doubt in people. Uncertainty. Um, uncertainty. Um, but that's, that's what faith is, is um, believing and acting even in the face of all those things. Um, and so what I was trying to do was establish that, um, these things that is often in the church we feel ha kind of have a negative attitude towards um, like doubt and fear. And sometimes we view as the opposite of faith are actually part, part of it. They're, they're necessary. Um, Cause if we were certain, then we wouldn't have faith anymore. We would have knowledge. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of where we started. And um, then we, we talked about how to understand this faith transition, what, what happens. Uh, so we had to go through the stages of faith and um, won't necessarily, you know, talk about all of them. Um, but uh, through, through theological study, psychological study this this idea of stages of faith is 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 pretty established and, and i think the listeners can go, go do their own research about it you know and, and and educate themselves about it um so there's i introduced to the to the to the ward these stages of faith and just to boil it down to three simple ways to look at it um there's there's a, a simple faith 
um, that's characterized by black and white thinking, uh, right and wrong, um, good versus evil, um, and and faith is generally untested uh, at this point. And um, we talked a little bit about that. There, there's strengths in this. And, and one of the things that we emphasized was there's no better or worse stage of faith to be in. They're, they're, they're just, they're just, they just are. And, um, so if one person is in one stage or another, doesn't make anyone either less or more, um, in their, in their faithfulness, um, it's just a different stage and they have different characteristics. The next stage of faith, um, is more complex. Um, and, and it's characterized by realizing things aren't so black and white anymore. And sometimes things, events will trigger this, this entrance into a new stage. that's more complex. And for me, it was my daughter coming out and not having, um, not having the answers and, and having questions about how they fit into the plan because up to this point, um, the, for that for for her to be authentic in the church might cause some problems, right? So so that was what caused my faith. That that's what triggered my faith transition. And um, we're in this stage, and this is where we you know we had this strife between us and this fear. We didn't know what was going on. Um, but once, once I realized this, then I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not so far off here. Um, and I realized I'm, I'm this, this stage I've moved from the, the simple faith to something more complex. And then after this stage is, uh, another stage, um, that, uh, some, some called harmony, and that's the ability to, um, exist um in this environment where there are still questions where there might be some dissonance there's some ambiguity um but we can still recognize um uh the 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 virtue of of being in that space um and operating despite all these questions still acting um faithfully uh whatever however whatever form that is for people you know for us it would be staying active in the church um keeping our covenants uh things like that despite having these questions um and still being able to um to move forward um in that way and so those were those are basically three three stages um that that we talked about um, and talked about what exactly then is a faith crisis. And so what, what I, what I realized is a, a faith crisis really isn't a, a crisis. Um, it, it's not, it can feel like it. it, it can feel like that. And what, um, so one of the, um, thought leaders in, in this space of faith transitions is Jared Halverson. He's a BYU professor. He's talked a lot about faith transitions um what what he said um was that 
when things really start to fall apart um, and we realize we move from a simple faith to something more complex, um, the crisis comes from not the fact that we're moving from one stage to another. It's just a, that at, at the time, we don't, we don't know that we can move forward. We think that the only thing that's, that's possible is, is to go back to that simple faith. But because of our new knowledge and this event that may have triggered it, um, we know that's not possible and there's no way to move forward. We don't know that. We don't know that there's a way to move forward. And so that's that's where my crisis was. I, I, I didn't realize that I can move forward in, in my faith, move to a different stage of faith. Uh, and that was where my fear um, was coming from. But once I realized, oh, this is just a, a step-by-step process, I'm just moving to a different stage of faith. I can still be faithful and stay in the church. Um, and, and that was a relief. That was a big relief for me. Um, and, and so that's what I try to express in, in this lesson uh, for people. And uh, realizing that uh, faith transition isn't something that we should fear. And that fear and doubt and those things that sometimes are thought of in the church as negative things that we should avoid or manifestations that we have a weak faith uh, aren't, aren't really so. They're just things that can help us move to a, to a different stage of faith. So my faith right now is very different than before our daughter came out. Um, it's, it's, it's different. Um, I, and um, there are still questions that I have, still doubts that I have. But despite all that, um, I, I've chosen to, to move forward, uh, to stay in the church, uh, because that's the, the gospel has given me so much. Um, the church has given me so much. Um, and I, I don't really want to leave that behind. I don't, I don't know where else I would go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have the best possibility for good answers. <laughs> I think here in a church that believes in continuing revelation, there's, there's so much space for those answers. And even within what we already have um, within the family proclamation, there is space for our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. If we just will recognize it and, and accept that space. Um, I think the biggest thing that helped me in learning about the faith transitions was that when you're, when your faith is changing, even if it feels scary, it's part of the path. You're still on the path um, in the same way that the fall is part of the plan of salvation. Each of us have our own little fall when we fall from simplicity into complexity, but that's part of the path. And, um, it's so beautiful to be able to move into harmony and, and instead of seeing things as black and white and us versus them to see us as all connected and all part of a community of faith where we're just working together to help each other through the realities of life. And we have this loving heavenly father and heavenly mother who are are right there never 
forcing us, but always welcoming us. Um, I, I think for me, that realization, uh, moving through the, the stages of faith and my faith changing, um, what it, what it really gave me was more of a, a much more uh, deeper understanding of our heavenly parents and their love for us. Um, so my, my, my faith has grown in that regard um, in relationship to, to heavenly father and heavenly mother and my relationship with them has, has improved um, as I come to understand that their, their love for us is, is beyond any <laughs> comprehension. Uh, I, I don't think our human minds are, are able to comprehend um, their their love for us, and and so um, our our job as parents is to try to emulate that love for our for our own children, and um, accept them just as our heavenly parents accept you know accept me with all my faults and 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 things you know I I they love me unconditionally and and that's what I have to do for. Uh, all my children, even even my queer child. Well, and I think what we've experienced as we've been able to be in spaces where we have lots of queer people together, we see more what Christ-like love really looks like from them than we've experienced anywhere else. And I... um I really believe that we have so many gay sons and daughters right now because they're here to teach us more about what God's love really looks like um, in a way that the world has not known before. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of where, where that's where we're at right now. and. Um, I think we're we're in a good space and doing what we can in our own little sphere uh, uh, to to help others understand um, the LGBTQ community in the church, uh, understand love a little bit better, understand what faith looks like in real life. Um, yeah. yeah, audacious, unconditional love ben and rebecca lasway thank you um i'm just so moved listening to both of you and um hope i can keep the spirit that i feel i love i'm just so honored this podcast exists where you can hear from ben and and rebecca um sometimes we have kind of famous people on the podcast like jared halverson but i think the the real safe, the real, I don't know, sweet spot of this podcast is just where we all get to hear from just just regular Latter-day Saints trying to do the best they can and your personal journey to raise a queer daughter. Um, queer, I don't know if her pronouns are they or she. Um, she's non-binary and queer, so I don't know if it's they or she. Um, uh, they just asked us not, she haven't picked one yet okay so we just try to not use the same one every time <laughs> way to go <laughs> yeah. 
it, yeah, I'm, it, it's hard sometimes. I'm still, I have to remember. Okay, yeah. Generally, we remember when we're writing to use they and well, when we're a, talking, especially about the past, we use she and. That's great. Um, well, they are great. And Anna, if you're listening by chance, um, you've made this whole story possible because of your answer to your mom's email. And that probably leads me to my first point is parents often receive personal revelation. Um, I just think they're connected to our heavenly parents and how to raise a queer kid. And I think sometimes, you know, dad, you're been your sort of desire to understand this space prior to Anna coming out and, and Rebecca, you're feeling that both of you are feeling that something, there's something going on here and we need to, go on long drives and but I love that you just sent this email this kind of open-ended email and how that gave Anna the chance and I wrote down what you said I've accepted myself as part of the LGBT community um, I thought that was just great the way she answered that I um, and then I love what you said Rebecca in the context of that whole story is that my job is to love and nurture. It's not my job to cause them um, towards us. I can't read my own writing here to cause them to turn out right. And that when you know, I think that's liberating for a parent because you, you can't, you can preserve the relationship and you can love and nurture. Um, but sometimes, and it's hard to control the outcome. And that's why Tom Christofferson's book's so good. And that, you know, that was really powerful part of your family story. And um, this is a beautiful family love story. Um, I love you talking about your, Rebecca, your brother, um, Luke, I think, who came out in 2020. And proximity is so important as we talk about that just, you know, this is not another group of people. These are our own family members. And so when you, you know your brother really well, both of you do, and you know he's returned missionary, sounds like a terrific young man. And when he comes out, Sometimes the narrative we hear and then we know the rea- we know someone up front, it causes us to reconsider what we've been told about this group of people. So I love that. And if Luke, you're listening by chance, look at all the good you've done by being authentic um, in a lot of families and in this family and maybe many others. And respect for you, um, even though you're walking kind of a complicated road. Um, I wrote the word actively unteach things. Um, and I think you make that point is that, and that's part of my journey listeners is I didn't know what the church was teaching. Um, when I was a YSA Bishop and a couple of men opened up about being gay, I didn't, I hadn't gone to a lesson that says, this is what we don't teach anymore. So I think that's something we can do better. And that's why your fifth lesson's good. And, Firesides is, and that's, I think, a focus of your fireside, perhaps in Southwest Missouri, is to actively unteach things and teach what the church is teaching, what society is teaching, because we talk about this space so little that it gets defined and then we kind of move on. And so both of you are doing a great job of that in your circle of influence. And that's so important just to talk about what we teach. I love. Now I'm shifting a little bit to uh, um, your faith lesson. <laughs> um, that was really powerful. It's kind of a one-two home run podcast. Um, but I love, I just love how honest and vulnerable you both are. Um, and as I see you on the screen, this is a beautiful marriage. 
And there's differences here. And I think that is helpful perhaps for other Latter-day Saint couples where there's differences in faith stages or, um, and you're both have the same goal to, you know, stay married to each other and stay in the church, but there's tension sometimes on that journey. And I think that resonates with listeners um, that may be walking this road a little bit differently. And there's some tension there. I think it gives them hope and tools, but I love that you frame up fear and doubt are part of faith um, instead of the opposite of faith. And of course, I love um, the work that you did in this, these stages of faith listeners that really helped me. I went through this, you know, during my church assignment as a YSA bishop, largely around the same topic. You know, you had a daughter, I had priesthood responsibility for a couple of gay men. So it's kind of the same story because you recognize you don't have the answers. You sort of face up front with how complex their road is. You want to do the right thing and you just kind of go through from a simplicity, black and white. You just realize the complexities of this space. And and so Jared Halverson, when he said, don't let a good faith crisis go to waste and what is Faith Matters podcast, yeah. I thought the non-shaming of that, because it's it, you don't usually get up and say, I'm in a faith crisis in church or I have doubts or I have fear because that's not part of our culture, but it needs to be part of our culture. And that's right. why I bet your fifth Sunday, I would guess a lot of people came up to you after your fifth Sunday lesson. And after that fireside, just were so grateful for your vulnerability in talking about this. And I bet lots of conversations continue to happen. Talk about that if you want to. Well, that that's always been um, my hope and what um, I pray for when I prepare myself for talks or lessons is that that I could give something to the to whoever may be listening, uh, something that they can really think about and that can help them to understand their their own situation. Um, because you're right, we don't talk about it often enough, um, and in a real enough, um, you know, context. Um, and so people are scared. They're scared. I was scared, um, that, that their faith is slipping away or that, uh, they're, they're, you know, less, less than worthy members somehow, um, because they have these doubts, but, but, uh, it's just, it's just part of part of the transition, part of the steps. Um, it's normal. And that's what Jared Halverson said. He, he hoped that we could normalize this discussion um, so that people didn't, don't have to fear and realize that. Um, and I think ultimately he, well, he said um, that the faith transitions are sacred spaces um, where people can grow closer to heavenly father. And that, that's how it happened for me. That's what worked out for me. And, and I think that's true. Um, we, we, you know, that's, that, that's the whole, you know, purpose of, of, of the church. And, and that's what, what Heavenly Father himself is, is about, right? He's, he's about the immortality and, uh, and eternal life of man. And we can't reach that stage unless we, we progress here on earth uh, to become celestial. Right. And uh, so this is, this is something almost that has to happen, I think. Um, and when we start talking about it in those terms, maybe then it will be normalized and um, give people the, relieve them of that burden of having to 
you know, um, feel shame for maybe their doubts or something like that. And and I guess I, what's important, I think too, is when you're a parent watching your child go through a faith transition. So when Anna came out and, and she kind of at the same time said, I'm not going to go to church anymore because I don't feel like there's a place for me there. And, um, and I said, well, can we, can we talk about that? And she said, well, you can tell me what you think, but that'll just be your opinion. And, um, I was so afraid at that point that she was getting her all, all her ideas from angry people online. Um, but as, as we talked, I re- I recognized she had actually done her, she had gone to the church website. She had read everything the church had to say. And she had, and her response to that was valid. And even though it was different from how I felt about those things, it was a valid response and I needed to accept that. And, and I came to trust her at that point that she wasn't just like repeating talking points from somebody angry online that she really, um, and I think regardless, it's important as a parent or as a spouse to, to recognize the validity of the other person's viewpoint and to rec- and to let them have their process like i said before it was really scary to me that ben's process looked different than mine um and I, and i don't even as we become more aware of faith transitions i don't know that that's going to be less scary honestly but we just have to remember over and over again that that we can't control the outcome i think um a lot of the harm that we cause each other in this life is when we're trying to be in control of things that we actually don't have control over. And that's when, um, when we do things that are wrong, that we can look back and say, Oh, Oh my goodness, that was abusive. I shouldn't have done that because we're trying so desperately to have control of something. And it's another kind of faith to trust Heavenly Father, that His plan for our child, that His plan for our spouse will work out. And even if it doesn't look like what we thought it should look like or what we wanted it to look like, um, that's another part of faith that we need to turn that over to Him. Um, I, I know too for Ben as he was going through his faith crisis and to him it looked like I was still back in simplicity and he would he'd be like you that that's the easy answer you can't and when I once I finally had a vocabulary and I could say where do you think I am because I actually I'm over here in harmony and then he he um respected my answers a little bit more <laughs> so it's good it's good to know where each other is um you know because to someone in complexity the person in simplicity looks so naive like you don't you don't know what's going on but to the um you know to the person in simplicity the person in complexity is like whoa you look like you're way off the path but neither of those is true 
Yeah. And, and so that was just uh, another, um, another way that we, we, we have changed through this whole process and experience. Um, we've definitely become closer as a, as a, as a couple. Um, I, we're, we're definitely, we definitely have a, a just a better relationship um, than, than we had before. Um, you know, we, we have our trials and little spouse squabbles every now and then, you know, like normal couple, but, but, uh, but we, yeah, we, we, we have a, I think a better vocabulary, better understanding of, of, of each other's faith. Um, and, and that's what moves us forward, you know, to keep going, um, in our in our church callings in our marriage uh, with our family that's that's what keeps us going well there's a lot of hope in your words um and acknowledging the reality of your life with you know a, a daughter um non-binary they out of the church and active kids i think you got a missionary out serving right now and and so many families are walking a similar road <clears throat> But there's a, there's a maturity that's helpful to me and probably helpful for our listeners, just your approach to parenting and um, our job is to love and 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 just kind of setting that all at the Savior's feet. It's relieving, but it's kind of a higher, holier approach to parenting. And there's still pain and grief, you know, when your kids don't fully participate in the church. But I think the atonement can heal and you can just say, this is what I can control. and I love the grace you gave to Anna that her um, conclusions that were different than yours were valid. And it wasn't just angry online people, that if you could just mute those angry online people, um, she would have the same conclusions of you. And I thought that was a sign of maturity and grace and a role model for how to handle differences in a respectful way. <clears throat> and so I love what you said, Ben, about our marriage is even stronger. And I I'm not a marriage and family therapist, but there's something about this process where um, couples and families develop new tools that scale to just all areas of being married. And there's better vulnerability, there's better communication, there's less fear, there's better ability to talk about tender topics and open up more. And and so I I think that gives hope that, you know, well, and and, and it brought empathy different. and compassion into our marriage that hadn't been there before. So, yeah. so I love that. Yeah, it's and just a great couple. Yeah, you know we're we're we don't have it all figured out, you know, and we still still sometimes there's lapses in that communication, but but it's definitely better, and um, we can recognize more more easily and more quickly that we're just on a little different page in our communication and get back to the same page so that we can, we can move forward and resolve whatever little conflict may happen or, you know, crisis we have in the family, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. As soon as you learn that when somebody says something that hurts your feelings behind that is a fear that they have, instead of focusing on what hurt your feelings, you can look for what the fear is and comfort that fear and it's so much a better way to be in this uh, model that you shared with us simplicity complexity and harmony 
that's part of your lesson. Is it okay if we link to that in the show notes? Sure. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. So listeners, um, we'll put a Dropbox link, and it's just a Word document. So I'll put it up on my Dropbox, or we'll figure out a way so that if you want to read the whole outline, you can. Um, and one of the things, and I realize you couldn't get to the whole lesson, but in this stage of complexity, this middle stage between simplicity and harmony, um, I noticed here you wrote one of the weaknesses of the stage or challenges. And this is where I sometimes find myself um, as I move in and out of these phases, but I'm just self-aware that sometimes cynicism, suspicion of authority figures, judgment of others not at their same stage becomes part of my journey. So I think as part of your invitation for us to be humble and open, I'm, I recognize that sometimes the space I get into because I'm not in harmony. Maybe I get to harmony sometimes and then I go back to complexity. <laughs> um, the other thing I thought about this, listeners, is um, the grace you give to people being in any stage. I think you're pretty clear that there's not one stage, it's the better. But I think I wish I had, I wish I had understood complexity and harmony even from a, even if I wasn't in those stages, at least from a theoretical standpoint, so I could help people. Even if I my whole journey as a local leader would have been simplicity, I think it would help me to have this model, even if it didn't mirror my personal life, to be able to better minister to members in my ward or my family. So I guess I'm in my invitation. If if you feel like you know. Simplicity is great, and I, this is where I am, and I'm not. And you're clear that that's a good place to be, and we're not asking to move to complexity of harmony. But I think, from a ministering standpoint, understanding these stages and not trying to draw people into complexity and harmony back to your stage of simplicity, but give grace to everybody and just understand that there's going to be faithful Latter day Saints committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing the best to honor their covenants. They're in different stages that aren't reflective of our own individual stage and sort of awareness of these models and the need for these models um, is something that I think is really important as we're trying to do what your bishop said. I love your bishop saying, if everybody doesn't feel like, you know, feel the savior, we're doing something wrong. I'm paraphrasing, but that was really powerful. So I don't know if you've got any comments on that, um, but I just thought it was terrific. And I, I, Jared Halverson has said falling upward and, you know, to frame up a faith crisis too. Anything else? And then I want to go back to a little bit of LGBTQ. Anything else on faith? I think it is important to know those stages so that you're not afraid when someone else Mm. is going through them. And I think a lot of times when people do choose to leave the church, it's because they're trying to go back to simplicity and they just switch who the good guys and the bad guys are. And so they stay in simplicity, but they just flip who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And um, I that doesn't bring happiness either. Like one, you really have to move forward into complexity. You just can't go back to simplicity. I like where you framed it up in complexity. You know, where am I going to go? And um you know, this is a church of continuing revelation. You kind of in, you know, and so I think it's, I think it's great for faithful Latter-day Saints to hope and pray that we have more revelation in this space. I think, I just feel like we're not at the finish line because 
There's a lot of pain out there. And to me, the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't reflect the pain that a lot of LGBTQ members feel in their families. So I'm pretty comfortable. But what I do is what I say, and I you didn't say anything different than this, is just that I don't know God's will, and I'm not a leader of the church, so I can't really, I'm not a stakeholder, or I not have a standing to really say how this should, what next should be done. So what I do is I do what you two are doing. I do Fifth Sundays and do a fireside, just what we can in our circle of influence. And often that's our family and what we could do to create family unity, even in differences. So I like that. And I do, that's an interesting point, Rebecca, that sometimes people that want to stay in simplicity just flips. And, you know, the bad guys just change and it allows them to stay in simplicity where complexity, um, that's really thoughtful. I, I think there's some truth to that and some, there is truth to that in some, in some experiences. The podcast before you, I just want to, or two before you, is Claire Dalton. And she introduced, we've talked about the Gathering of Israel listeners. And I've been thinking about Jacob Five in the Vineyard a lot, and I've been thinking about how LGBTQ members are kind of in this corner of the vineyard we never talk about. It's like we don't even know it's there. It's around the corner and over the hill or over the river, but it's still in the vineyard, and it's still part of Israel. And like you've talked about, you know, a lot of wards don't want to really talk about this LGBTQ people. They kind of think it's like a different vineyard or it's an attack on their own vineyard. But I think our doc, you know, Anna and Luke, I think is your brother's name's Luke, if I, unless I've forgotten his name, are Israel and are our part of the same vineyard. And the fruit there is good. They are good people. They're not, you know, and they strengthen the vineyard. So I sort of, then Claire Dalton, who's on this, was on a podcast one or two before you, we talk about the, I've talked about the gathering of Israel is like your missionary son in England trying to find people to bring to the restored church and LGBTQ Latter-day Saints that need to be gathered with the things you're doing in this podcast. And, but then Claire introduced this idea that, well, they got to be gathered, they had to get scattered. And that sort of represents the pain that LGBTQ Latter-day Saints have felt. Um, and, you know, I've thought a lot about that, and I'll continue to think a lot about that as I read Jacob 5 listeners this year as we're studying the Book of Mormon. I'm going to read it through the lens of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and what's our responsibility in the vineyard. And um, the vineyard is strengthened as we go to that side of the vineyard and and do the things we need to do to support, love, and help, because there's good fruit there. And Absolutely. they are scattered not because of God scattered them, because we've scattered them, um, because of our words, our actions, the, you know, and so, and then when Anna opens up to you about that scattering, quote unquote, she feels pain. And, and Luke also and others. So, I'm just kind of talking out loud, listeners, as I think through new things um, in the context of the Book of Mormon and Israel and the Vineyard, and I'll be reading Jacob 5 a little closer this year. But I don't know if there's any thoughts that come to you as I'm just well, introducing. As you were talking, I was thinking about how the master of the Vineyard grafted in all the different branches and that that strengthened the root. Wow. The root that had become rotten. And um, to me, our brothers and sisters who are different, 
those LGBTQ perspectives, they are strengthening us. They are making the root stronger if we will allow them to be grafted in, if we will be willing to sit in church next to someone whose life looks different from our own. Um, everything that Anna brought into our life with her courage is better. And I just, but as the re- root, we need to not reject those branches. Wow. You went with that, Rebecca. <laughs> that was great. I may use that in a subsequent podcast episode. <laughs> as we're brainstorming this idea. Ben, do you have anything? Any? We're kind of coming to the end, listeners, and just want to see if either of you have any more thoughts. Um, well, you had mentioned um, being being vulnerable, and uh, <laughs> that that talk that I had a given sacrament meeting that I was inspired. Uh, I, I was inspired to talk about belonging and, and part of that was being vulnerable. And so, um, the, s- since then, um, I, I haven't, I've been afraid to be vulnerable in, in church settings, especially, um, to talk about things. Um, and, it, it's kind of scary at first, but um, just just from from what I've learned about uh, vulnerability, I read a lot about uh, a lot of Brene Brown stuff. But um, that just gives people a, a little validation and a little courage. If someone else can talk about it, well, I can talk about it. And uh, in the space, I think if 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 we can be courageous and vulnerable to courageous to be vulnerable and to to speak up um in a way that's inspired by the spirit maybe prompted by the spirit to share stories share your truth um that really changes people um um especially those who um again are, are are willing to to listen and 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 I think it really breaks down barriers to be vulnerable. Um, and so that's kind of how I've approached things um, r- recently. Um, I'll, I'll just speak up if it's appropriate and and related to, m- to my personal experience. Um, and and I've heard from I've heard f- uh, from from others a- after I've done that that they appreciate that and it. They felt validated and they felt um, like they were given a little bit of, yeah, it, it gives, it gives people hope um, to, to move past some, some hard, hard things in their life. Um, well, and I think maybe because on the outside, our life looks like a perfect cut cookie cutter of what a church path should look like. Right. And so I think we've surprised people sometimes to let them know, like, hey, the surface, (laughs) what is on the surface is not what what the reality is. And um, yeah, people, what I'm afraid of is that people will look at our life and think, oh, see, they have no problems and they've done anything right and there's everything right and there's something wrong with me. And no, 
And the truth is that nobody's life is perfect under the surface. And, and as soon as they, as soon as you can start admitting that, then we have, we have unity and community that we didn't have before. Yeah. And I, and I think um, that that was one of the things that I realized soon after Anna came out was how we, we expect people to be honest. That's one of, one of our um, articles of faith, right? We expect people to be honest. We want people to live with integrity, but we're kind of forcing some people to not be able to be authentic, to not live their truth, um, to be in a closet Right. Um, so I think being being vulnerable, telling story, telling our stories, whatever whatever they may be about, um, being um, brave enough to share our doubts and insecurities um, can help us to understand faith crisis uh, uh, transitions better. Uh, but also, just uh, as Rebecca said. Um, realize we're all in this together we really are um alike more than we we think we are um we all have the same trials in in life um and that helps us to get through those um just thanks to both of you um i love your courage to be vulnerable for men that's harder generally and and to do that in elders quorum and to do that in a talk. But I think, I think you help us realize that as you do that, um, it becomes easier to do. And then people know that, oh, if I really got to talk to somebody about the realities of my life, I can talk to Ben or Rebecca. They, it may not be an LGBTQ issue or a faith issue. It just may be, they seem pretty real and pretty approachable and they're willing to be pretty vulnerable with the realities of their lives. And I need a safe person to up open up to and i think christ role modeled that really well with just how he treated everybody so that's just kind of wonderful ministering um and i'm so grateful you've shared your story we talk about apollo 13 sometimes listeners and those of you that have listened have heard this but um i still share it because i think of apollo 13 when everything was going sideways and that mission was getting aborted and they were just trying to save the astronauts and and the commander in Houston, I think, you know, with all of the people around him talking about all the problems, he stood up and said, excuse me, this is going to be our finest hour. And it was Apollo's 13's finest hour. And I think this is your family's finest hour. Um, with And it's not just one hour. It's a story of Anna coming out and your love for Anna. Your queer, non-binary child who's not active in the church, but you just love this kid and and then your own faith journey. And and you've got nine kids. We haven't really talked about the size of your family, but I think you know, you've got a lot of kids at home. Um, so it's not like it was your youngest kid. It's one of your older kids. And I just think if you come on the podcast in 10 years from now, you'll talk about our finest hour. And the principles and the communication and the learning and the growth and how fear and doubt, you know, went away. And, and I would guess your kids could come on the podcast in 10 or 20 and 30 years and say, this was a really pivotal point in our family's experience in a good way. And our whole family has grown. And I, 
I would assume your missionary son out right now has better tools to to be a missionary because of this experience within your family and your younger kids. So I'm I I just share that with listeners that are new to this space. They just had a kiddo come out. They're wondering if they can stay in the church and there's a lot of pain and unknown. And so the Lesway story, I think, is sort of giving all of us hope that this is actually a a painful experience. There's no question that Apollo 13 was painful and um, their original mission, the way they framed it in their mind, didn't happen, but maybe something better happened. So I don't know if you're comfortable with that analogy. I don't know if you're astronaut fans. <laughs> I <but> like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Um, in the show notes, list, listeners will link to um, their lift and love story. If you just want to hear, read more of that and see family pictures, it's a great story. We'll link to um, the fifth Sunday lesson in case you would like to do a fifth Sunday lesson. That's one of the things we're trying to just scale content here. And we'll also link to this Facebook group that we talk about a little bit. It's just ministering to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And that's where Ben first mentioned his fifth Sunday lesson. I saw the comments and people just so grateful for the lesson. And I think you put your outline in the Facebook group. So it's just a way, instead of all of you starting from scratch that want to do what Ben did, you and Rebecca, you can start with his outline and sort of use that because I just think that content is needed. So we will sign off. Happy New Year, wherever this podcast is falling. And um, thank you, Ben and, and Rebecca. And this is Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Thank you.